0: Welcome to This Week in Photography, episode five. I'm Scott Bourne, your host, and uh, very excited to talk this week about some cool things with my photo buddies, Alex Lindsay from the Pixel Core. How you doing, Alex? Hello, hello. And once again, we are graced with the presence of world-renowned photojournalist Steve Simon, all the way from New York City. How you doing, Steve?
1: Hi, everybody. Good to be here again.
0: Uh, pretty exciting week. There's, there's a lot going on in photography because we just came off PMA and then, boom, after me kind of chiding Apple for not releasing Aperture at PMA, they released it Tuesday. Well, uh, they, they heard yet they heard last week's show. and then uh, Yeah, I,
1: I have that kind of impact often. <laughs> That's how they react. They yeah, react yeah. Uh, when Scott talks, <laughs> yes.
0: Apple reacts. Now if I could just get my dog to listen to me. I can get Steve Jobs' attention. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a dog. Um, Yeah, it's a big deal. Aperture 2.0. Talk about a new day. Uh, Let's see. Virtually everything has changed. You know, more than 100 new features. Uh, We've got, all three of us have copies. Um, Alex, how much have you used it? Just barely, barely at all. I opened
2: it up and it seemed snappier on my laptop and uh, move some stuff around. The new interface looked great, uh, I and mean, I haven't really I haven't dug into it too deeply yet. How about you, Steve?
1: You know, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I know the wait has been painful for so many, particularly those with, you know, cameras that were not supported, but it's sort of like, you know, after a long rain, the sun is out, and you kind of forget, you know, how you were <laughs> feeling before. It's pretty exciting, and I don't have the latest, greatest uh, computers, but it's, it's zipping along. I, I'm, I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, I was. I have to say, I think this is what Apple was trying to do three years ago. I mean, I think this is the goal right here. Um, this. Yeah, thing, it looks like there was a lot of lot of infrastructural improvements. Well, they okay. First of all, they completely re- re- rewrote major portions of the program. The raw converter completely redone, top to bottom. The database completely redone, top to bottom. So those are two huge changes, and the database is big because. I should say changing the database is big because now it's faster, way faster, and that was one of the big complaints. You know, the it's still written based on MySQL, but it's they've, they've changed it around somehow. It's way more efficient. I've loaded tens of thousands of pictures into 2.0 already, and unlike 1.0 and 1.5, it doesn't bog down, which is cool. And I just think the whole thing's snappier, and I really think they've found some way to get around the power requirements that, you know, you used to have to have a monster machine like one of Alex's to make the thing work. Uh, I'm just running it on my MacBook Pro, and it, it, it's crazy fast. It's crazy fast on, on uh, an iMac. Um, there, there are some reasons for that because there's some new tricks you can use. We'll get to that in a minute. But very, very fast, and like you said, Alex, that interface is just 10 times easier to understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that was, uh, that was one of my, one of the things I mean, I,
2: I, I still, you know, we're going to be learning more about, uh, Lightroom. Um, but, uh, uh, I had Lightroom was a little harder, but even with aperture, I was still like, Oh, I don't quite understand where everything's going. And, and this seems a lot better.
1: It really does. I mean, I think that was, you know, for those of us that really immersed ourselves in the program, it was still kind of complicated for those that, like myself, that are not Mensa members that, you know, just had, you know, have a, have a good knowledge, but, but even after using it, I would still kind of have difficulty. I think this new interface is a lot simplified, and I think um, it's going to be uh, uh, a lot easier for a lot of us to, to, to sort of move ourselves around.
0: Gotta talk yeah, about, about one of my favorite new features. The quick preview. Yeah.
1: Oh yes. Oh
0: my gosh, the quick preview. It's uh it's crazy. Instead of waiting for the raw decoder to bring up a preview, which is what you used to do, which is why it used to take so long aperture smartly loads the preview created by your camera most digital cameras these days make a preview and that's what you work with and that's all you need when you're doing things like deciding which image you're going to use or perhaps arranging images for a book and they just (laughs) it's it's faster than iPhoto it's faster than anything it just as fast as I can scroll my images are on there, so check out quick preview now, be sure to turn quick preview off when you 're ready to do image adjustments but uh, the quick preview
1: yeah and all, all you all you got to do, Scott, is just press the p to toggle it on and off, so it 's very fast exactly and and I was going to say that you know for years i 'd use photo mechanic, which is a great piece of software it 's very, very fast. But now, uh, the new aperture uh, rivals, if not surpasses, the speed of photo mechanics. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting.
0: And one other quick thing you can do with pre- When you get a preview image, or any image that you want to look at in a uh, thumbnail view, all you have to do is double-click it. It completely fills the screen. Double-click it again. It goes away. Now, that's just common-sense behavior, but it didn't used to do that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, from an ease of use while we're talking about Aperture, this all projects idea mm-hmm. I think is fantastic because whatever whatever number of projects you have in your library, each one will be represented by one image, an icon that you choose. And when you go to the all projects, you can see the lay of the land of all your projects with that one sort of signature image that uh, leads the way. And when you scroll um, on that image, you can actually sort of see what's within that project without actually going to it.
0: Yeah, they're they're keeping this theory going of the way, you know, when you get iPhoto, the new iPhoto has the events and you can kind of scroll over the the stack. And they've got that going on in Aperture. It's kind of interesting, Alex, when they take something that they have developed in iPhoto and bring it back up to the Pro app instead of vice versa. Well it's funny that you have you have uh, different teams you know typically at Apple working
2: on all of this stuff and they and they innovate in different places at different times oftentimes they're just thinking about different things at, at, uh, at different times and and it is they kind of almost end up teaching each other <laughs> you know, that uh, hey we figured out how to do this really really well and then they incorporate those things that make sense uh, across the uh, the other apps and so it's a it is an interesting uh, way to benefit you
0: know, well from the, uh, from the we don't want to make this an aperture show, but I got one one last thing I got to talk about then we'll move on The full screen mode has long been one of my favorite things about aperture, and most photographers I know love the full screen mode. you hit the f key boom, your image is beautiful and large, and in my case, on the beautiful Apple cinema displays. but you know there wasn't much you could do with it in the past. now you can call up the simple heads up display that contains both the projects, the metadata, and the adjustments palettes, and actually work on things like, you know, captioning or, you know, minor changes right in full screen mode. And, man, what a difference that makes. Have you tried that, Steve?
1: I have. I have. It's it's fantastic. I mean, it's beautiful. And, you know, the fact is, I don't know, guys, I mean, are we are we just too impatient? I mean, you know, there was a lot of yelling and screaming out there and perhaps rightly so because of the raw support issue. I mean, that was uh, a big one for a lot of people that had cameras that they just couldn't use aperture with or or whatever the converter that you're going to use. But I mean, I think there's an expectation out there that, you know, we want everything. We want it right away. And uh, I mean, granted, things are moving fast, but I don't know. I mean, I've 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 waited for this, and I think the wait is worth it. And they've been, you know, they've taken a long time, but uh, uh, it's it's it seems to uh, be time well spent. And
0: they dropped the price a hundred bucks. You know that they have.
2: One, I, like, I like this Apple trend of dropping. You know, that we dropped the price of the iPhone. We dropped the problem price of
0: aperture. I'm waiting for Final Cut Pro Studio to come out for 699 course, know, <laughs> Of course, now, of course so. as Apple drops prices, people complain and all my friends in Europe go, you know, America is a very strange country. <laughs> <laughs> you guys complain when people drop prices. We like it when they drop prices. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I also want to talk about the Canon G9. I, uh, I got mine. Alex, you've had one. You kind of turned me on to this camera. It's your fault. I like it. I like it a lot. That's my carry-around camera. Well, I got I actually got mine. And I'm got mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm like a little kid. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> you you I'm it's such a great camera. I, I couldn't believe it. First of all, I love the ISO dial. Did you hear that, Steve? There's a dial. It's not a ne- know, it's not a nested menu. It's a dial, an old fashioned dial. It really it really I think it really
2: uh um Shows you how important that that really truly is the third wheel. I mean, the, you know, the third element that you're using to um, affect your exposure. I mean, usually it's just such a pain to get to, even on my even on my twenty D. You know, there's still like a, a button I have to push, and then I have to do it. And it's not too bad, but having the dial is um, that was a, a big selling point for me when I saw it.
1: I mean, that makes things just so much simpler and, and faster. As 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 complex and and perhaps impressive looking as the menus can look. I mean, you know, you just want to set certain things, set them up with the dial boom, you're ready to go. I mean, you know, uh, to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, uh, doesn't seem to always work, you know. We're we're all we're all dial guys.
2: And a lot of the ways I some I often use the G9 is I if I'm going to be doing things really quickly and I don't want to go completely manual, a lot of times I'll set the aperture and then I'm kind of a, I let it go shutter, I mean aperture priority and shutter and, and, uh, and go back and forth with just the dial, you know, looking at where I need to, uh, to make sure I manage the exposure. Cause usually I like a really short depth of field. So I'm, um, forcing that down if I have to react quickly. Um, and, uh, but all of that stuff is,
0: is, um, very easy to get to. Um, do you like the, 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 way the interface works, Scott? I do. And, and, and of course, you know, being old, lots of things strike me as Dick Tracy watch, caliber so when i saw when i started playing with the face recognition system i was like bringing people into my office here stand here so i can look at your face and i would move the camera around and the face recognition thing would track them now this isn't just the g9 that has this lots of cameras have it these days but i just thought wow that's kind of you know george jetsony but one of the things i really like the best is a live histogram as you're (laughs) as you're composing yeah it's amazing what that does for you. And the other thing is, it's a tremendous teaching tool. I was just trying to explain to somebody what exposure compensation is all about. So right. I called up the live histogram, called up the exposure compensation dial, started taking you know, a stop down, a third of a stop, two-thirds, a full stop, and they could see that the, the clipping on, on the histogram was being solved. And I thought, wow, this is even a great teaching tool. I took some pictures with it. It totally amazed me. The other cool thing is, I don't know, maybe all the digital cameras are going this way. I, I haven't bought very many Digicams. I tend to buy the big boy cameras. But you can adjust the megapixels in this. It's, you know, it's 12 megapixels or or less. You don't right. have to go 12 megapixels. It, it, the,
2: the, and, the, and it's very easy to get to. You know, and a lot of times you just make decisions as as to, oh, I just want to get a, um, you know, I, I don't need it to be that big. And um, it, it also, it'll perform a little bit faster. You know, if you're shooting smaller ones, you can, you know, fire off a bunch of them. And... Uh, uh, it is, a, and I, I, find that that the interface to the G9 is the best LCD interface on a, on a camera I think I've ever used.
0: But um, you can have a viewfinder. I do want to point that out. You do, they, they you do can. have a model with a little viewfinder. It's not much of a viewfinder. I haven't used a viewfinder in a point and shoot for,
2: I, I know, um, but when you, when, I remember when, when I have to admit when the Japanese started coming over, yes. um, to like, uh, and, and they would have these, they, they'd be looking at the back of their, um, camera right and taking pictures like a decade ago and i just thought that was the weirdest thing i'd ever seen like, <laughs> of these course
0: people are crazy most you know and they were all, photos were out of focus because their arms are shaking their their cameras so far away from them but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so funny though they're they sitting there taking all these photos
2: and i just thought it was the most alien thing i'd ever seen and i thought about that about uh about a week ago and that's all that's you know the way i shoot
0: you know so it's uh, well i'm old-fashioned i like a viewfinder in fact
1: steve i think we should
0: pass if i was president i would pass a statute that says no camera can be sold without a viewfinder
1: (laughs) well you know i'm kind of with you there i mean definitely it's nice to have the option even though sometimes the option isn't all that exciting in terms of the the actual viewfinder itself but it's there And, uh, you know, what is it about loyalty? I mean, I know the Canon G9, I mean, is a wonderful camera. But being a Nikon guy, I've sort of been holding out and waiting to see what Nikon's going to answer with. And I know they they had their 5100, which is a... a beautiful little camera, but uh, you can't shoot raw, and it it just doesn't have everything that the G9 does. I my, mean,
2: my 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 decision had nothing to do with loyalty to Canon. And, um, it it had everything to do with I did very very simple math. You know, I was looking for a camera that was capable of doing 1600, you know, ISO, um, that uh, would shoot raw, that would fit in my front jeans pocket. I mean, that was it. I mean, that that's all I. You know, those were the those were the um, the only requirements I had, and it's the only one that matched those requirements. You know, and so Abs- that, that was the, that was it.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, that's smart. I mean, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm just kind of, I've, I've held out a little bit.
0: You Nikon purebloods can't help yourself. <laughs> we, we, we understand, you know, where we I really wish. Oh, go ahead. Well, i just could say, uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason for loyalty most of the time. It's called all those stinking lenses in your bag that won't work <laughs> with another camera. In this case, this is, a, you know, there's no lenses that you have to worry about. So I would have happily jumped ship. In fact, if the new Sigma 14 megapixel were out, I would have taken a long look at that. But it's not shipping for a couple of months. You know, That
1: one sounds exciting. Yes. Su- it
0: does sound exciting. And I may get it, too. Who knows? But... Uh, I just thought, you know, this is out. Everyone has been talking about it. I tried to resist, uh, you know, I really <laughs> did. I tried months not to buy it. Uh, and and uh, but I got to tell you, there's times, Steve, and you, you know, as a photojournalist, you really probably relate better to this than most of us. There are times when you just don't want to be there with your whole rig and your big bag, and you, you know, you you want to get something that, particularly, if it's just going to be used five by seven in a book or, or something. You know, it's like, wow, one of these little pocket cams of, of 12 megapixel pocket cam with that kind of image quality, with the Digic 3 processor, which, by the way, is Canon's top processor they use in all of their very high end pro cameras. You, you know, you get an image from that, and you got to ask yourself sometimes maybe that's the best tool.
1: Well, you know, absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I tried to embrace, even back in the film days, the Leica system. Because you see these great photojournalists traveling the world with a tiny little bag with these tiny little lenses that were of the highest quality. But it's a whole different way of shooting. And when you come from the SLR, uh, uh, you know, when that's what you know and you're experienced, you really have to commit to sort of shooting in a new way. With a, a rangefinder system. Now, this Canon, I mean, it's autofocus, it's fast, it's small, quality's great, you know, really. Yeah, it, I Image agree. stabilization
0: I mean, actually works. That helps. Yeah. The,
2: um, the, I will say the, the, one, the one thing is while it does go to 16 I, ISO, 1600 ISO, the grain structure in the 16 ISO is extremely noticeable. I mean, it's I very to, noisy. I'm used, I'm used to my... Uh, uh, I'm used to my 20D and so compared to that it's very noisy. I mean it yeah. you, you you'd shoot something there but I don't know if you'd how often you would use whatever you shot over about for me over about 400 ISO Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm glad it's there. I'm glad it stretches out to there if I needed it, if if there was something I wanted to work on. But you'd have to do a lot of post-processing and and give it a lot of love to get something you'd want to use um, over 400 ISO, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm living at 400 on that camera. I'm not going past that. And if I need more than that, I'll put the flash on, which is the other cool thing, the Canon big boy flash, you know, the full Canon speed light system works on this little camera. So you can put the $500 Canon flash on there and it'll work on the $500 subcompact. And I have to admit this G9 sits in my pocket all, like one of my pockets almost all day.
2: And I use it for the crazy. I mean, I use it for just taking pictures of whatever I'm doing, but I also, I use it for taking notes and I use it, you know, I want to buy that book or I need to remember where that store is. And I mean, you know, it's, it, it, for me, it really changed my, uh, my photography experience of, I mean, I take pictures that are from a photographic point of view, interesting, but I also just use it as a general, um, I just want to remember what, what's going on here, you know, it's and, um, and it's, uh, and, and they, they come back as interesting photos in, in their yeah. own way. Yeah. Well, I, I pay- think a lot
1: of, Oh, sorry you're right I Steve. think a lot of a lot of people are using um you know these kinds of cameras, especially photographers as kind of visual uh uh note takers, as you said, Alex, just the way that I think a lot of people that are maybe not into photography are using their cell phone cameras to sort of you know document things in their lives and so on, but we have a little sort of higher quality standard when it comes to, yeah. to visual well, so we use.
2: My iPhone drives me right. crazy. You know, it's just not quite high enough, you know, high enough resolution to to actually see what I'm looking at when I'm taking notes. And so I actually just turn it down on this camera down to a you know, a couple megapixels, and then I just start firing stuff off of,
0: of things that I got to remember. So, exactly. well, I paid for this camera. I just want to make that known. <laughs> Canon didn't send it to me. I paid for it. Got it at Best Buy 479. I think it's an incredible buy, and I think yeah. anybody who tries to compete with it's going to have a tough job. Now, I'm going to look at all the competition and we definitely want to invite you who have experience with this camera to leave your comments on our blog twipphoto.com. I'll have my mini review going up in a day or two. You can respond there. And if there's a point and shoot, you know, pocket camera that you think is better, we certainly want to hear about that. You'll be welcome to leave your comments. There. You can email us now directly from the blog. There's an email us button, by the way. i want to get all this housekeeping out of the way. And if you visit the blog today at twipphoto.com, guys, you know, we we need to make this announcement. We're going to do some housekeeping here. We're going to announce TWIP's first ever in the history of the universe photo assignment competition. And the theme is motion. Hmm. So we want people to go out there with their cameras and take pictures, post the very best one, only the very best one, up there on Flickr. We have the Twip Flickr group, which is in the right sidebar. You can click it and join it. And by the way, uh, Alex and Steve, more than 130 people already have joined our group.
1: Great. That's great
0: news. Great news. And we're yeah, gonna... You
1: have a nice photo up there, Scott. Uh, it looks like you used sort of a slow uh, shutter speed and zoom at the same time with that bird picture you posted.
0: Thank you. That's actually a pan and a zoom at the same time. Oh, I stand corrected. <laughs> that's a the, the, that's a that's the very large Sigma three hundred to eight hundred. Oh my God! Zoom lens, uh, and I'm panning with it on a Wimberly head, which is a fixed gimbal mount head that makes it sort of like a machine gun turret. So you can actually pan it with just your little finger. It's a very cool tool. And then, How many
1: people did you have with you, Scott, helping you pan that sucker? <laughs> I mean, that's a
0: big lens. The, it's, when, you, when it sits on the Wimberley head, Steve, it's like literally no more difficult to control than a point-and-shoot camera. Nice. And, and then because the Sigma has the kind of zoom that's not push-pull, but rather a ring that you turn, it's smooth. I just, as these geese were flying, this is in Bosque del Apache, New Mexico where hundreds of thousands of geese come every thanksgiving to winter down from the arctic I would just let them blast off, and as they would blast off, I'd track them and pan and zoom at the same time. And, of course, I took 20 shots to get this one that looks really cool. And fortunately for me, as we all know, if you're honest, dumb luck plays a very large role for the average great photographer. They happened to do this in front of a bunch of cool fall colors that were late there in New Mexico, so I got this nice orange tree in the background. But anyway, that's my version of motion. I want to know what yours is, and Steve and Alex and I will look at the pictures... We'll talk amongst ourselves and completely arbitrarily and capriciously without <laughs> any kind of standard whatsoever. We will pick one or two we like, and we'll put a blog post up about it and or talk about it. And if we find one we really like, I will give you a free copy of my best-selling book, 88 Secrets to Selling and Publishing Your Photography. So all the information's there on the blog. Also, check it out over at the Twit Flickr group. We definitely want to get our community working together. It's important to go out with an assignment, isn't it, Steve?
1: Yeah, I think so, because it gives you uh, a real kind of direction and, 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 and a purpose when you're out there. And sometimes, you know, that's all you need to really kind of uh, dig in deeper and, and, and uh, you know, get, get the kind of pictures that maybe you wouldn't um, ha- had you not had that direction. But, you know, you said, said you were a little bit of luck. I mean, we all know that, you know, the more you shoot, the luckier you get. That's true. And uh, there's no secret to getting better in photography, and that's just just do it. Just keep shooting.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. Have you guys looked at any of the pictures in the Flickr group? I have. I only went over when we first launched it, and there were a handful of them, but I'm, I'm going to make my way back over There's some week. amazing work in there. I mean, you know, we're, our audience, we have to pay attention to the fact that our audience, uh, there, there, there are some very good photographers listening to us, so we really have to hold our feet to the fire and be very good at what we do because we got, we got competition running right up on our heels.
1: I can see that just uh, glancing through some of the, the f- photographers that have posted already. Yeah. No question. So
0: we got that. A little intimidating. And, yeah, it is. It's like, you know, you sit there and you go, <laughs> well, I'm pretty good. Well, maybe I'm not so good. Look, look at that guy's pictures.
1: Maybe I should be listening and they should be, you yeah. know, on the show. Amen. Well,
0: I, I'm, uh, you know, and they can participate and, and share their opinions. Like I say, we at our blog, twipphoto.com. Let us know what you think. This assignment ends... At 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time next Tuesday, because next Wednesday, or excuse me, next Wednesday, we'll post the the new contest every week uh, on Thursdays. At least that's my plan, to try to do that. So if I don't get it done, don't scream at me. It's just a plan. But we're going to try. Okay, now that we've talked about the Flickr group, uh, one of the things that uh, we're kind of finding in the comments, Alex and Steve, is lots of different suggestions on what people want covered. And, of course, it's always very challenging from our point of view because I I get an email, for instance, that says, whatever you do, don't do anything basic. I'm so sick of basics. Everybody covers basics. And then the very next email is, I'm just brand new at this. Could you start with some basics? So uh, it's going to be tough to please everybody, but I think if we just provide a wide variety of information, if it's something you already know, you can skip over it. If it's something you need, then you can hit it. We did have a couple of requests for some low-light photography tips. And as I promised before, we really want to get some tips out on every show. So I thought instead of any one of us taking this one, the three of us would tackle using your camera in low light. And uh, Alex, I'll start with you. What's uh, some of your tips and or suggestions or suggestion for low-light photographers?
2: I mean, obviously, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to open up your Aperture as far as you can. Um, you're gonna. I turn up my ISO pretty high. Uh, I I don't um, use flash very often, so I um I, I wasn't sure if the flash actually worked on my camera, um a couple weeks ago. And so uh I've never I've never actually used it on my on my on the Canon that I have. And um and so I I mostly have I spend a lot of time with a high ISO and a um and pretty wide uh, a wide open aperture and uh, which means very low number. Uh, the the other things though that I with um, uh, the other thing is I have to you have to be very conscious or I I tend to be very conscious with uh, uh, how much I'm moving. So if I can put my elbows on the, on a table, if I can lean up against something, um, sometimes I can squeeze out a little bit more, uh, a little bit more stability. A lot of these image stabilizers now that are in a lot of these cameras are pretty effective, but if you give them a little bit more of a head start by um, bracing yourself um, somewhere. Obviously, you can put it on a tripod. The the thing that to re- remember is it's not just people moving. If people are pretty still, they can come in pretty sharp um, when, with a low shutter speed. But the problem is that any movement that you have with the camera, and just very very minor shakes in your hand will make a big difference. And so, finding ways to throw it on a on a tripod or a, or a stand. A lot of times where I shoot, I don't have that option. So I, uh, um, you know, i I've gotten pretty still. I don't have too much coffee. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I, do. Okay. I mean, I think that the, you guys can correct me, but in my head, usually the number that I'm looking at for my shutter speed is about equal to whatever my focal length is. I mean, that's kind of that rule of thumb of if I have a 30, you know, 50 millimeter, you know, one 50th is, you know, roughly what I, I don't want to go too far below. Now I find that on my 50, I can usually get down to, uh, you know, a 30th of a second without, uh, and sometimes even a 15th of a second without having, um, too much uh, blur. So anyway, those are the kind of things that, that I that I do when I'm working on it. Do you have anything you would like yeah, to I,
0: add, Steve?
1: Yeah, I have a friend who claimed that he can do a two-second handheld exposure. Huh. He, would, he huh. would sort of like stop breathing or go in some, some sort of suspended animation. He and, went to
2: India get, for six months and he came yeah, back. Yeah, I think so. Some sort <laughs> Does of he have a tantric pulse? photography.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it happen. I think it's just... Well, you know, since we're talking about motion, guys, I, I'll, I'll sort of go the other way and that is Um, You know, use slow shutter speeds in low light and take some chances and see what happens. Use the motion. There have been some photographers, one of them that I really think is fantastic, a guy named Michael Ackerman who photographed a lot in India, used slow shutter speeds to create this very uh, atmospheric, blurry kind of thing. And, you know, with digital, we've got, we got to take chances. And, and, and when you do take chances like that, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the magic of the old still photography, watching the, the, the uh, print come up in the, in the developer, being surprised, you know, because you don't really know what you're going to get when you're playing around with slow shutter speeds. And and I think, you know, Scott, when he did this picture that he posted, had an idea of what he wanted. Um, but if you go out there trying some slow shutter speeds in kind of an urban environment, for example, um, you could get some really cool stuff. And, and why not? And, and you know, take chances.
0: Well, yeah. And, and I didn't have the world's fastest shutter speed here. I can't remember what it was. I'd have to look. But, yeah, I, I was, I had an idea what I wanted, and 19 of the 20 shots were nowhere near it. <laughs> there you go. But nobody has to know that, right? Right. Other than I just told 12 million people. But are all family. I want to say that um, I agree with everything you guys have said. There's another couple of things. If you are trying to get a sharp picture and you've got the money, the fastest lens sure helps in low-light photography. Alex uses the storied fifty mm mili- fifty millimeter one point eight from Canon, which is a very inexpensive lens, but it's very sharp and very, very good lens. It lets a lot of light in at one point eight, right? Well uh, yeah it, it does. I, I, I have to admit that I um I bought the I bought it on the way
2: on the way to Africa and it was just I just needed to grab something. Um uh I if I went back and bought and uh, bought it again, uh if I was getting started with photography and I just want a fast lens, I would get that. It's say eighty dollars. Uh if I was gonna buy it again, I'd probably buy the one point four. I think the one point two is a little rich for my blood. It's not it's very, you know
0: Yeah, it's and, good that's, for Scott. and that's and that's a Scott. <laughs> that's the iteration. The one point four is about three or four hundred dollars, and I have the one point two, which I think retails at eleven or twelve hundred dollars. And at one point two I actually made a portrait of somebody here in our studio, which we don't use the overhead lights in. Uh and when I mean studio, I mean our podcasting studio. We just have some very low light conditions, and the the person, I used the key light of the person's monitor, their computer monitor, reflecting back at them, and the 1.2 gave me tons of detail. So a fast lens is another secret to low light photography. I also wanna mention, if you're using a digital camera and you're gonna get into slower shutter speeds or low light photography, some cameras have special low light modes or slow shutter speed modes. And this is important because it affects image noise. If you turn those things on, you'll get less noise. Now, by the way, don't forget to turn them off when you move back into regular light. So those are two additional things to look for. See if your camera has a low light mode or a slow shutter speed mode that will reduce noise. And think about fast lenses. Of course, everything else has been said here. Experiment with everything. Throw it up on a tripod. Steady your grip. And and Alex's tip about matching your shutter speed to your focal length is a real good one because that is a tried-and-true rule for decades. I do want to remind you, though, if you're on a digital camera and you are not on a full-frame sensor digital camera, that crop factor is going to come into play so you know, your 100 millimeter lens is actually a 130 millimeter lens in what we call effective focal length. And you can't cheat. You need 130th or roughly that of a second, not a hundredth to keep that rule in play. So that's just another thing to think about. Any last thoughts on low light photography, guys?
1: Well, yeah, Scott. I was just going to mention. Well, of course, yeah. With the longer lenses, you magnify your camera movement, so that's why you need faster shutter speeds. The longer the focal length you go, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm thinking that um, you know with the advances uh, we're seeing in, in low light shooting and and noise reduction, um, I think it's going to sort of change the face of photography. I mean, that's a kind of a Bold statement, but when you have this new Nikon D3 that apparently—and I haven't seen it at 25,000 ISO—you basically don't even need any light, and <laughs> and I think we're going to start to see uh, images that uh, maybe we've never seen before because they just haven't been possible. The technology is going to allow us to 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 shoot in, in low light in a way that maybe we've never been able to do before. Unfortunately,
0: we don't have any contacts at Nikon. I'd love to get a hold of that camera to test it. <laughs> yeah. We want to do grain tests on that camera so badly we can just taste it. it. Yeah, it's But well, we it, put it out there. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting looking and you know, we get accused of of uh, being Canon fanboys, Alex and I. We we've got the token token Nikon guy here, Steve. <laughs> but uh, we don't have any Nikon juice, so if we don't if we don't review Nikon gear, it's cuz they didn't send it to us if you want to loan us yours, we'll be glad to take a look at it. Uh, but I would like to see what that new high ISO looks like. You're right. The ISOs are, I mean, the higher they go, it seems the better they get. I remember back when we tried to experiment with just 1600 ISO film when it first came out. And it was so crappy that you just, you know, you couldn't even think about using it. Now, there are plenty of cameras that work at 1600 ISO. And with the addition of a little, you know, Noise Ninja or, or you know, Nick Define on the back end can look as great as if you shot them at 400. Yeah, I have to say that I
2: uh I'm waiting. I'm I'm like going to give Canon a little while, but man, I mean ISO, ISO is so important to the way I shoot that uh it just has me right on that edge of adding <laughs> adding another <laughs> camera and a whole other system to my to my uh to my little workflow because I just I just uh, you know it, it's so I mean the sensitivity is so much more important to me than than megapixels. Um, yeah. That that I mean, I, twelve megapixels is more than I need. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with eight if I could do what, what I was doing there. you know, you Eight know, to ten.
0: What's next is we need uh, is we need more dynamic range, Steve. You know, you know mm-hmm. the old rule. Did you ever shoot with Velvia or any of those kinds of films from Fuji?
1: I was not so much of a transparency shooter, just but yes, film. I I do know about it. I mean, I, I coming from the journalistic background, yeah. We you were using film. egg film, yeah. You know, Neg film was like shooting raw. We can be off a couple of stops and still sort of look good in the end. So. Yeah, I did.
0: I did a lot of slide photography where you don't get to be off, but about a third of a stop, and then the whole shot's ruined. But there, I got
1: respect for you, slide guys. <laughs> let me tell
0: you. There's a film, a film real popular with nature shooters that I used to use called Fuji V, and it had like you know four and a half stops of latitude. You know, yeah. and and what I'm looking at is these digital cameras tend to have about that same four to five stops with maybe two additional stops on the low end, what I'm looking for is the digital cameras that have 12 stops of latitude like our eyes do. That will be big. I think, I think we're actually going to see, I mean, we, we touched on this, I think, on episode two, but
2: I think that uh, in, the mid, in the midterm, I think what we're really gonna see is cameras able to fire multiple exposures at different exposures, multiple exposures in, in a hundredth of a second. So six, maybe six exposures, two stops apart, all, all happening within a hundredth of a second. The the, the the sensors are able to do that. And then simply combine it into what's called a you know, high dynamic range image, um, where you're talking about possibly up to 20 stops of information um, sitting in, that, in, that, uh, in a single still. Uh, now, I, don't, I think that the end product is having sensors that can do that in one picture, but I think that what we're going to probably see in the next five years, you know, three to five years, are cameras that are shooting six or ten megapixels, but um, are of firing off. You know, I said ten photos, t- two stops apart, and then combining those um, back into a a photo that represents the entire um, exposure range. And um, it's something we've been using in visual effects for probably the last five or six years. But we have to take one, and then take another one, and then take another one, and we use it for uh, lighting models. Uh, and we're starting. I think Panasonic just uh, released a uh, um, some test from a chip that was actually doing that, firing. I think three exposures. You know, very small and very rough, but. Um, I think that, that the camera manufacturers are definitely thinking that direction.
1: That's a pretty exciting idea. You know, I'm dating myself here, but I remember GAF 500 film when it came out was kind of revolutionary, a color film 500 ISO. And today, you know, we're, we seem to be very noise obsessed and, and, and perhaps rightly so because, you know, it can be very ugly. But when we think back to the film days, I mean, I, you know, I think we're in a, in a much better position. Uh, than we were then at high ISOs.
0: Well, yeah, I do remember, you know, you liked the, gain, the grain you got from Tri X, Steve. Absolutely. You know, you yeah. like Grain and,
1: wasn't such a bad thing. No, in <laughs> fact,
0: I early on in the Photoshop days, I built an action that simulated Tri X 400 grain. Every, exactly. Everybody bought yeah. it from me, they thought it was really cool. <laughs>
1: Well, I can tell you guys that, you know, teaching, I do a class once a week at ICP, and all these kind of young photographers getting into it, um, there's a, a, a vast majority of them are very much enamored with the darkroom and the traditional techniques. I mean, it's new to them, and a little bit surprising, but maybe not so much, that they're very interested in pursuing film.
0: Well, you know, that's how the young people are. They always have to do everything the hard way because it must be better than the easy way, but uh, uh let, them, let, them, let them spend some time smelling that fixture and uh see well, there's how you like smell of dectal, that's all I gotta say.
2: <laughs> I walked into a photo shower and I hadn't I hadn't smelled it in like twenty years and I just or fifteen maybe fifteen years and I, then I walked into a, a photo supply house and I heard, I smelled the dectal and it's like this little chocolatey smell and I was like oh, I really miss Dectal <laughs>
1: It, they, you should, we should come out with, like, a Glade plug-in that smells like Dexol. We probably do pretty well with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time I think those words have ever been said in the same sentence in the history of the English language. I just really Yeah,
1: perhaps. I, I, just, want perhaps. To point,
0: I just want to point that out. Just want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, well, I, you know, I spent 15, 20 years working in a dark room with the safe light and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun for about the first one. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally thrilled with my ability to print on my Epson 3800 and looking forward to those kinds of advances, which we will talk about in future shows. And speaking of future shows, we could use your help. Over on Delicious, we have a tag, Twip Ideas. And if you see something you'd like us to discuss, why don't you go ahead and, and tag it, Twip Ideas, and we'll check that and uh, and see if there's something we want to talk about. We may not talk about it that week, but we'll save it for another week. I saw a tag on there about uh, books with Shutterfly, which I decided I'm going to research for a story we'll either put on the blog or on the podcast, we'll talk about that in terms of all the places that make books out of photos. We want to hear from you there. You can also leave your comments on the blog or over at pixelcore.tv where you can always listen to the show in real time. Of course, we're available through iTunes. And Alex, we like it when people subscribe through iTunes, don't we? We do like it. And why we do we like,
2: like that? Well, it, what happens is, is it's good. It, you know, it, it, people, other people see that we're, people are subscribing to it on iTunes. And, uh, and that helps incre- increase our, uh, our popularity. Because you'll click on it because it's doing really well on iTunes. There's a lot of people who just kind of follow along there. And uh, so it helps us introduce uh, our show to more people. So, the, I mean, the, the thing that helps us the most if you really enjoy the show is, is uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Um, because it really helps us uh, uh, encourage other people to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, it it does it does help, and it, and I just installed. By, by the way, Scott, as a radio person, isn't it great that you
2: can actually actually do that? We, you know, there used to be this whole thing about uh, ratings um, that you'd want to tell people to go, you know, write it down on your Nielsen, you know, whatever, or your, uh, and uh, you could never say
0: that on on radio. That's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And I, I'll tell you what's really exciting: it's last night I installed Apple TV two. Oh. And wow. I'm. I'm actually going to make this a photo pick. I'm going to show everybody why this is a photo, photo gag pick kind of thing. It's like it, it's really you know it's something that belongs in your photography bag, even though you can't put it in your bag really. But I'll talk about that in the next show or two. But I was thrilled as I scrolled through the menu that said podcast, and there we were, right on the main menu, twip. That's why it's important that people subscribe to keep us up on that menu, so people find out about us. Because the more support we get, the more stuff we can do. Like you know, get cameras to review. We can put together you know some more things for you guys who listen and gals to together and come up with all kinds of cool ideas for the blog, and maybe you know get more things happening over our Flickr group, and who knows what else. So please consider subscribing. But for those of you who simply hate Apple or hate AAC or just won't play. You can go to pixelcore.tv and click a button and listen to it. So you can hear about hear us either way. Right, we're gonna still make that available, right? Yep. Okay, so that's that's available to you. And we will uh you know do our best to, to make sure that everybody gets the show. But we love it when you subscribe via iTunes. It's it's very fun. And it was also very fun, like I say, to look at Apple TV and there we are. I mean, come on, how cool is that?
1: That's exciting. Yeah, it really is. Very
0: exciting. Because there are a lot of
1: podcasts out there, aren't there, Scott?
0: 250,000 by some uh, guesstimates in the iTunes store, and we're c- currently number 10 out of 250,000. Wow. I think that has probably as much to say about photography as a hobby as it does us, but... <laughs> no, absolutely, but that's still uh, pretty pretty amazing. I think there's just a lot of people interested in photography. But I'm, I'm glad people are listening. It's very gratifying to us, and we're glad that you're tuned in. So I think we've covered just about everything, unless anybody has any final thoughts before we sign off. Alex?
2: I don't. Uh, I'm working on, I sent you uh, an Aperture uh, example that I'm going to put up uh, this week. Okay. Uh, I'm just, putting up, just uh, adding a uh, bug to it. And, um, and then I'm also working on an HDR one, which will hopefully come out in the next week or two. And how about uh, your depth of field that's, I mean, that's what I mean, the aperture. I mean, I don't mean aperture as in the program. Oh, okay. I mean I'm sorry. Depth of field, <laughs> my depth of field example. My, we, I recorded a little depth of field example, and we're going to put it up. Hopefully, it'll clarify people, for people what that number is connected to as far as depth of field when you're looking at your, uh, at your stops. And so, so we're going to put that up. Uh, you know, we'll put it right into the feed. So if you're getting this audio feed, you'll wonder why you're getting a movie that's probably a little bit bigger than the normal uh, pieces that you're doing. I'm, I'm working on getting the formatting so that it'll work on your iPhone and uh, as soon as I have that sorted out, uh, hopefully today or tomorrow, we'll have it up.
0: Cool. Any last thoughts from New York City's base, Steve Simon?
1: Well, uh, all I'm going to say is I'm really excited to see what our listeners out there are going to come up with with motion, because uh, I think for a lot of photographers that we're, we tend to be obsessed with sharpness, and suddenly now we have uh, a mission to uh, try and communicate motion through photography, and uh, I think for a lot of people, it'd be a nice chance to, to try something maybe that they've never tried before and maybe surprise themselves. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what uh, transpires.
0: Yeah, I was hoping you would you would say that, Steve, because I, I kind of picked that theme because I know you're you're that way. You like to experiment. You like to go out I there. I am that and, way. <laughs> <laughs> you like to work with the stuff that's just on the edge and I've seen it in your wonderful work. So uh, you inspired me to inspire them. So thank, thanks for saying well, thank that. Thank you, Scott. I also want to mention that... Um, I'm uh, hoping that we're going to do some really cool things along the lines of maybe even putting together a little workshop here or there at some big events where we can go out and take people out shooting. We got lots of cool ideas. We want to hear yours, so send us an email, comment on the blog, jump in on the Flickr group, and please tell your friends to subscribe to Twip. You can find Alex Lindsay at pixelcore.tv where there are a lot of shows. Also, Alex runs the pixelcore.com site, which is a place where you can go to learn a whole great big bunch about high-end photography and primar- primarily photography as it relates to video and special effects and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a great deal. And I think you got a special going on if people want to join the Pixel Core, don't you?
2: We do. Uh, we, uh, we have a special where you can get three months for $50. And uh, that comes with you know, over 100 hours of training uh, on all kinds of things, access to lots of applications, a huge community, challenges, uh, both photo challenges and video challenges and other things. And, and that's going on right now. So um, all you have to do is go to PixelCore.com to find out more
0: information. And and LeHu of Girls Gone Geek, told me yesterday that she has access to four thousand dollars worth of software simply as a result of her Pixel Core membership. I didn't she's know she's actually un- she's actually underutilizing it because there's actually uh, our members on an
2: on average get access to about uh, forty thousand dollars worth of software. Well, there you uh, go, forty. That, yeah, the, the companies um, uh, make available to our members uh, for varying periods of time because they want to introduce their software um, to uh, to our members, and so. Uh, that's kind of on a constant thing. We're constantly changing it. We build training around it. We um, So our members get legal access to something for a fairly long period of time so they can really get a sense of whether it makes sense for them. And then usually we wrap that up with a really great sale that sometimes is anywhere from 60 to 80% off the software that we're showing them. So it's a, it's a really good deal for um, both the people trying to introduce the software to our members as well as uh, to our members.
0: <laughs> well, Steve Simon from New York is a profoundly talented documentary photographer with some books, which we, by the way, have links to. If you go to the TWIP staff button on our blog at twipphoto.com, we have links to all of Steve's books. And Steve, you have a website at stevesimonphoto.com, correct? Correct.
1: Yes, I do. And and while we're promoting stuff, I'll just throw in a plug for my Heroines and Heroes book, which uh, documents uh, HIV in Africa. And all the royalties uh, from that book go to the Stephen Lewis Foundation, which is uh, a great organization up in Canada that helps a lot of people in Africa.
0: And by the way, all of you Canadian listeners who think we shun you, we have a fellow <laughs> Canuck here. From, from He's living in New York, but he's a Canuck. Steve is a Canadian. so
1: Canadian all the way. I got a little maple leaf tattooed on my well, I won't say. Yeah, let's just stop. Yeah, right I'm there. Canadian. Yeah. I'm Canadian. We can edit that out. Yeah.
0: And, and, when, and whenever we go out to eat together, they say, "What kind of cheese do you want?" And he always says, "You got any Canadian cheese?" And they always say, Absolutely. "What?"
1: <laughs> Canadian <laughs> well, bacon.
0: That's it. Now I have some Canadian bacon in my fridge in honor of you. Just, now we're talking. I also want to mention, Steve's got a show at the very impressive Leica Gallery in March in New York. And I don't know if I can make it because it's like 30,000 miles from San Francisco, but I'm actually going to try to come, Steve. So
1: That would be amazing, to, And I hope Alex, take Alex with you. Yeah, you?
0: We'll just get the Virgin Airlines with the big first-class seats that are 55 nice. inches, and we'll go out and see Absolutely. what we can find out. And I uh, just want to mention, i got a couple of things going on you might want to check out. If you are interested at all in bird photography, I kind of spent two years doing nothing but bird photography. So visit my site, avianstock, dot com, and you can see some of my bird photography. Also, head on over to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, where I've got three different photo-related titles, two uh, regarding aperture and one on selling your photography. So until we talk to you next time, be sure to visit the blog... Tell your friends. We're so excited about this show, and uh, we just can't wait to see what goes on with our contest. We will hope to talk to you next week, and that's it for this week in photography.